This afternoon, congregation, I'd like us to turn to three places in our Bibles. First to Genesis chapter 12, and then to Psalm 67, and then to Matthew chapter 9. The elders have requested that I preach a sermon on Psalm 67, as it will serve as our family visiting passage this year under the theme, Blessed to be a Blessing. And so while we're going to direct our focus to Psalm 67, I'd like for us to trace this theme throughout the scriptures. And to do that, we'll read Psalm 67 in light of Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, and Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Turn also to Psalm 67. Psalm 67, page 611 in the Adoration Bible, 611. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors Take special note of the superscription there to the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. That all the ends of the earth fear him. And finally turn to Matthew chapter 9. Page 1035, 1035 in the Adoration Bibles. Read verses 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So far God's holy word may he bless it to us this afternoon. Dear congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'd like to begin our meditation this afternoon by asking a question. It's a question that ought to have always been on the minds of the people of Israel, and it's a question that when we consider the character and life of Christ, we see that it was kept closely to his heart. The question is this, how are we doing? Are we, are we living in light of the songs that we sing? 
Some of you may know the Psalter is the church's oldest songbook. For centuries, the people of Israel would sing these songs in the temple and in their synagogues. And throughout his sojourn on the earth, Christ too would have sang these psalms. Christ, in fact, we call the chief singer of the psalms, being, being that it was his spirit who inspired these psalms to be committed to paper that they might be preserved for us. And so when we sing the psalms as we've done this afternoon, we are in all reality joining in the voice of Jesus himself. But do our lives here at Adoration reflect that reality? We sing about lofty things, people of God. We sing songs every Sunday about the praise of God because of who God is, because he is the God of gods, because he is King of kings and Lord of lords, and like him there is no other. We sing songs of confession because we recognize, as we sang earlier today, that our sins rise up against us, prevailing day by day. But God will show us mercy and take our guilt away. And like the prayers that we pray, the songs that we sing ought to bleed into our daily living. When you say the last section of the Heidelberg Catechism, for example, and its treatment of the Lord's Prayer, you'll soon discover that God doesn't just call us to, to pray those words, but he calls us to live those words. When we pray, hallowed be thy name, for example, we're praying that God would help us to really know him, to bless him, and to worship him for all his works and for all that shines forth from them. In the same way we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying that God would so rule us by his word and spirit that more and more we would begin to submit to him. And so it is with each petition. Each petition summons us not only to, to pray in a certain way, but also to live in a certain way. And the same goes for the songs that we sing. Boys and girls, when we come to church, God doesn't just call us to sing these songs, but he calls us to live these songs. And so the quest that the Spirit of Christ would have us consider this afternoon is this. Are we living in light of the songs that we sing? And more particularly, are we living in light of this song, that is Psalm 67? Psalm 67 is situated amongst a cluster of psalms in the Psalter, beginning with Psalm 65 and ending with Psalm 68. What each of these psalms has in common with each other is that although they were originally sung very narrowly by the people of Israel, the message of each of them is very broad and universal in scope. We sang the words from Psalm 65, Praise waits for thee in Zion, all men shall worship there, and pay their vows before thee, O God, who hearest prayer. We sang the words from Psalm 66, Come, all ye people, bless our God, and tell his glorious praise abroad. For our doxology, we'll sing Psalm 68. Praise God and shout his glory forth, O kings and kingdoms of the earth. In joyful song adore him. And in the midst of these psalms, the church of Christ has also sung the words of Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us. And why? So that your way might be known in all the earth, your saving power among all the nations. When we think about Old Testament Israel, we tend to so highlight their exclusivity as the special people of promise that we altogether forget how their entire theological system and heritage as a nation was begun with the promise that God made to Abraham. And this was the promise we read in 12. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. 
I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And through you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And these promises are the underpinnings of this song we sing in Psalm 67. And yet Israel didn't always live in light of the songs that she sang. In fact, I think it'd be safe to say that Jonah's lack of gospel concern for the lost people of Nineveh would have been all too characteristic of the people of Israel at large. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10, when God saw that Nineveh had turned from their evil way, God relented over the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now, I'd imagine that none of us here would be exceedingly angry or displeased if the worst of sinners came to know the grace of God in Jesus Christ. But is seeing that very thing something we long for? Is something we long to see taking place here in Vineland, that adoration you are see? Is it something that we're striving for? Are we living in light of the songs that we sing? When we exit the worship service on Sunday, do we do so with a conscientious awareness that, that God blesses us, that we might be a blessing to those around us? Because that's the commission, that's the charge, that's the message of Psalm 67. God blesses us that we might be a blessing to those around us. And so the Spirit of Christ is calling us again this afternoon, congregation, to live in light of the songs that we sing. If we're going to sing words and songs like that of Psalm 67, that God would be gracious to us and bless us, that he would cause his face to shine upon us, that his way would be known in all the earth, his saving power to the nations, then we better be prepared to live that way. God has blessed us that we might be a blessing. That's the message of Psalm 67. And so what we want to do this afternoon is to consider God's blessings. And how God's blessings summon us to be a blessing, both to those who are within the church as well as to those who are still without the church. As we dive into this psalm, then I trust you can hear an echo of the parting blessing that we hear every Sunday. Numbers chapter 6, God in his grace gave these words of blessings to the priests so that they might pronounce them over the people of Israel. In that chapter, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. This is what you shall say to them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In this way, said God, shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. Aaron and his sons were given these words of blessing not because of who they were in and of themselves, but God gave these words to the priests because of the office that they held. And their office as priests, as they pointed forward to that greater high priest to come, Aaron and his sons spoke to the Lord on behalf of Israel, and they spoke to Israel on behalf of the Lord. And so when the priests pronounced these gracious words of blessing, the people of Israel didn't received them merely as coming from the mouths of the priests, but just like us, they received these words as coming from the mouth of God himself. In his grace and goodness, you see, God's desire was not only to pardon Israel's sins, but, but to assure them of that pardon, to assure them that, that they were standing in right relationship with their God. God wanted his people to know then, but he wants his people to know today that 
that they weren't living under the scowl of God, but they were living under the smile of God. They're living under the smile of God, a God of grace, a God of love, because in Christ Jesus, he delighted in them, even as a father delights in his children. And that's why the blessing into this day is pronounced in the way that it is. When the minister raises hand, boys and girls, to speak these words of blessing, it is as though our Father in heaven himself were saying, I will bless you. It is as though our Father in heaven himself were, were speaking to us, smiling upon us, saying, I, I see you there, standing in the pews. And I want you to know that I love you. I will bless you and keep you. My face will always shine upon you. I will be gracious to you. I will give you peace. God's shining face, you see, is a depiction. It's a picture, boys and girls, of the pleasure and delight that God has in his people. In the light of the king's face there is life, says Proverbs 16.15. And in his favor is like the clouds that bring the rains of spring. And what the Spirit of Christ is calling us to see here in this psalm is that as we hear these words declared to us, as we embrace these words given to us, we need to recognize that God's blessings always come with a purpose. They are always unto something else. And the purpose is given to us in verse 2. The psalmist prays for God's grace and blessing so that his way might be known in all the earth, his saving power among all the nations. God's people prayed for God to bless them, says one writer, not in order to, to wallow comfortably in his blessings for themselves, but so that his blessings might pass on from them also to those around them. People of God, it's good and right to pray the promises of God. It's altogether appropriate for us to, to pray in faith that God would bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, but not as an end in itself, but rather to the higher end that others might see in us his blessing and beauty and so be drawn to him through us. God blesses us that we might be a blessing to those around us. God blesses us richly in Christ. Christ, of course, is the one in whom and through whom God's face now shines upon his people. Christ is the one in whom God's grace comes. Boys and girls, perhaps you've learned that acronym, that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And it is indeed at Christ's expense, isn't it, that God's face shines upon us, that he smiles upon his people. Because we heard this morning that God, that Christ has reconciled us to God. He has propitiated the wrath of God. And so now God looks upon us and he smiles. And he delights in his people. But God blesses us so richly in Christ that we might begin more and more to be a blessing to those around us. So we might begin more and more to reflect the heart of Christ who, who throughout his sojourn looked upon a broken world and a broken people and saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Congregation, do you see your neighbors this way? Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? Do you see the people in the grocery store this way as they stockpile on paper products again? Harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd? 
Are we living in light of the songs that we sing? Is it our sincere prayer that we would see this prayer of the psalmist answered in increasing measure, that God's way might be known, his saving power among the nations? Do we long to see God's way of blessing spread, the way of blessing grounded in the covenant promise that he, that he made to Abram that through him all the earth would be blessed? Do we long to see that? Are, are we striving for that? Because it's to that end, people of God, that Christ continues to sing the words of his song. Let all the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Because he longs to see the spread of God's praise as more and more come to share in his salvation. The salvation that only he can provide. When the salvation of our God becomes known to the lost and lonely of the world, the prayers of the psalmist and of Christ are answered. And when our living in light of these words is the very instrument that God uses to accomplish this very thing, that is when we too come to recognize more fully just how praiseworthy God's blessings really are, that he would use even a people like us to proclaim the excellencies of who he is. And yet that's what Peter says in his first letter, isn't it? That once we were not a people, but now we are God's people. Once we had known no mercy, but now we have received mercy. So that we might proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we sing, and so Christ sings, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. If you can look in your Bible, structurally speaking, verse 4 is the central emphasis of the psalm. You'll notice that whereas verses 1 through 3 and 5 through 7 are all delineated into two lines, verse 4 is broken into three lines. And it is accenting the centrality of verse 4 in the psalm. And the reason why the message of verse 4 is so central because it accents the glorious work of God in all the world as he reigns with justice and provides the nations with guidance. As God's kingdom rule is extended to every tribe, tongue, and nation, the nations have every reason to be glad and to sing for joy because God's kingdom rule brings with it the transforming power of the gospel. God's kingdom rule brings with it restoration renewal to this world of ruin, this world so ransacked by the curse of sin. The prophet Isaiah gives a breathtaking picture of this kingdom rule. In Isaiah chapter 11, you may want to turn there, a breathtaking picture of the reign of King who rules with justice and equity. Listen to how Isaiah describes it. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, 
and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Congregation, what the prophet is describing is a world at rest. And this is what the psalmist has in mind when he sings the words, Let all the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. When God's kingdom rule of justice and equity is made manifest in the world, and when the nations take heed of his guidance, the result is a world at rest. A world no more at war, no more at war with the Creator, no more at war with itself. The result is a world at rest where justice is meted out not simply according to what that can be seen with the eyes or heard with the ears, but according to the spirit of wisdom and understanding. When God's kingdom rule is made manifest on the earth, the, the result is perfect peace. Perfect peace where the wolf lies down with the lamb. Perfect peace, perfect rest and serenity where the little child can play over the hole of the cobra and not be struck. This is the vision of Psalm 67. This vision for a world purged of all chaos and confusion is what the psalmist clings to and lives according to. He longs for a world where crooked governance is no more, where peoples from every tribe, tongue, and nation have finally come to realize that which St. Augustine said, that our hearts are restless until they find rest in the Lord. And that's the blessing we've already come to know today. In this world of so much fear and uncertainty and political turmoil, to us belongs the blessing of resting in the Lord who gives reason for the nations to be glad and to sing for joy as he judges with equity. For the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. Yes, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. God has not forgotten his promises. God did not forget his promises. Even when Israel fell into sin again and again, God did not forget the promise that he made to Abraham that through him all the nations of the world would be blessed. God did not forget the promise that he made to Abraham later on in chapter 22 of Genesis where he said, I will surely bless you and multiply your offspring so that they will number as many as the stars of the heavens and as many as the sand on the seashore. Where God said in your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And so we sing with the psalmist this afternoon that the earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. Yes, God shall bless us. But all the ends of the earth fear him. Because God's promised blessings have been secured in his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. In him we find the yes and amen to the psalm and to the covenant promise that undergirds it. For even though Christ had not yet come, the psalmist, knowing that his coming was surely eminent, praised these promises of God in faith. 
as he looks forward to the day of Christ, when the Apostle Paul will be able to write to this Gentile group of Galatians and say, if you are Christ, if you are Christ, then you are the offspring of Abraham, heirs according to the promise. Promised blessings secured in God's Son. That's what the psalmist is singing about. Where he says the earth has yielded its increase. Some commentators suggest that the psalm may have been composed around the time of harvest as the psalmist was contemplating and meditated upon the faithfulness of God in the last year. And while that very well may be the case, and we read this psalm in faith, and we read it through the lens of Christ, we come to recognize, of course, there is an even greater harvest being prophesied here. The great harvest of salvation. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then what did he say to his disciples? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. God, our God, shall bless us. Yes, God shall bless us. That all the ends of the earth fear him. How can the psalmist say that? How can the psalmist speak with such certainty? It is only in Christ, congregation. Christ, you see, comes into the world. He comes into our world to secure the promised blessings of God. He comes into this world to bless his people so that they might be a blessing to those around them. And such is the case also for us here this afternoon. God blesses us that we might be a blessing. And so Christ presses upon our hearts the question, are we living in light of the songs that we sing? Are we living in light of the blessings that God has has given to us and written upon our hearts as they spill out in the work of our hands? Is that how God's blessings are operating in our lives? Because that's what God's blessings are always intended to do. They're always intended to foster greater integrity between faith and life so that we don't sing one way and live another way. So we don't sing about one thing, about the nations being glad, about God saving power being known in all the world, all the while living for something else, for greater success for ourselves. But he blesses us that we might be a blessing. And he has blessed us in so many ways, hasn't he? He's blessed us with freedom to worship. He's blessed, he's blessed us with the promises of the gospel, with the preaching of his word, with the table of his son. He's blessed us with godly men, with faithful under-shepherds to serve in our midst, to reflect that ministry of Christ, that compassion of the good shepherd. He's blessed us with new life, physically and spiritually. He's blessed with many spiritual gifts, giving us faith to believe and to embrace the precious promises of God. He's given us faith to believe all that we have needed, his hand has provided. We sing those words, but are we living and giving in light of those words? Are we living in light of the songs that we sing? We need to be asking ourselves the questions, people of God. If if God has blessed me, how can I be a blessing to those around me? How can I be a blessing in my home, in in my church community, in the surrounding community around me? What gifts has, has God given to me that I might use them for the service and enrichment of those around me as we confess in Lord's Day 21? 
These are the questions we need to be thinking about. And these are the sorts of things I trust the elders will be asking you about. How has God blessed you? How are you being a blessing? How are you using your gifts? God blesses us that we might be a blessing to those around us. May the Spirit of His Son grant us grace to live in light of the songs that we sing. God, our God, shall bless us. Yes, God shall bless us. But all the ends of the earth fear Him. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, once again we meditate upon Your grace and mercy. And if we were to count our blessings to name them one by one, we would not have the time. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of blessing in Christ, that you're not a God of curse anymore, but that in Christ you have bestowed upon us blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace. Father, help us to live in light of the songs that we sing. Father, we pray that as you bless us, you would increase our desire to be a blessing to those around us. May we always be mindful, Lord, that You have given us gifts, not that we might use them for ourselves or stifle them, but that we might use them for the service and enrichment of others. We pray that as we are blessed and as we seek to be a blessing, each one of us will grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. As our song of response, let's sing that psalm, Psalm 67, Selection B, O God. Show mercy to us. We'll sing all the stanzas of 67 Selection B.